0: obviously we're gonna have fun because florida state's coming off of another win which makes three in a row we haven't done that since 2017 so we're we have high hopes for going into this week versus clemson but we're gonna cover i won't say the majority but it'll be about half and half we're gonna cover what we saw at the umass game what we were impressed with things that we hope that we improve on um again my sponsorship situation is not all the way settled out it should be by this week so i will have potentially three different shows this week tonight's and two more um i will have tribeaholics on with me and taylor uh wednesday at eight thirty. um tuesday at seven thirty, possibly 8 i'm gonna have Zell Raleigh on again to give us an update on his season and what it looks like for playoffs for them um, because they are making it to the playoffs, which I think for their school, this is the first time in a long time. So there'll be a plenty of podcasts, plenty of lives to do this week. I will be busy. Taylor will be busy. Uh, So we'll just see where it goes. Um, I'll jump straight into what I saw at UMass uh, briefly, and we'll go back and forth with that a little bit. But uh, I obviously was there for the game. I, anticipated us winning big uh not quite that big because my score prediction was 45 to 7 the score as everybody should know was 59 to 3 so we scored more than i thought and held them better than i thought um even though the only score they had was a fumbled kickoff return by travis J, which was the first play of the game once that happened i seen a lot of a lot of air come out of a lot of the fans, like oh gosh not not a not a Jacksonville State game, please don't do this um the way we responded was great. uh we never allowed them to score again um I think they went forward on fourth down like six or nine times something to that effect uh they were never successful, so they turned the ball over on downs quite a bit uh rarely did they get to the red zone, I would think um I would like to say that we had uh, the interception duo. Uh, I was so proud to see Jamie Robinson get his uh, that did stop one of their scoring attempts because they were in the red zone, and Jamie intercepted it in the end zone, so I was highly proud of him, um, and Brownley missed a big one uh, closer to the, I think it was the first half. He missed one that was probably going to be a pick six, um, but he recovered very nicely before the before the end of the half um he returned one for 70 yards uh for a pick six so it seems like that our DBs are really starting to come around to play the game like everybody thought they could um uh, I'm impressed with the DB group probably the most defensively out of anybody um I think that our linebacker core at times stood up uh there's still room for much improvement when it comes to a linebacker core in my opinion um But other than that, I will just say that congratulations on the win to FSU, which I'm sure they've all heard me because I've been sending them plenty of stuff to to let them know. But as quick as we got the win, uh, it was probably celebrated for about 30 minutes. And there was already film being watched on preparing for Clemson. So no one was like highly electrified because we beat UMass. We were... Extremely excited that we did what we were supposed to, but we're supposed to do that against UMass. I mean, it's, it's not like a, it's not like we're setting the world on fire because we beat UMass. The best part of beating UMass the way that we did has caused us to show three games of consistency. Um, this is the third game in a row I think we've had less than five penalties. Um, in this game, we had five penalties for 41 yards. Uh, so... As far as disciplinary goes, the coaches are doing a great job to get these guys to not commit so many penalties uh, versus what we were doing at the beginning of the year. So bright spots are all over the place. I think that um, we're going to be on a four-game winning streak, but I'm going to turn it over to Taylor and let him give a little bit of his insight and whatever he's got to say. I do appreciate y'all being on here. Please stick around. The show gets better as it goes.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it, Chris, for uh letting me get on again and kinda of talk about the uh get on with you and kinda of talk about this win that we had against UMass. Um kind of what we talked about before and like you said, I mean, it was not a game I expected Florida State to really score that many points. I mean, I had thirty eight to seven. I thought we were gonna score and make it maybe make it thirty one to seven at halftime. You know, it was about a score off. Um thirty eight to three at halftime, but Then you turn around and I thought we might score another touchdown in the third quarter and kind of shut it down. And this team just kept going, going forward again. And, you know, just keep coming out there strong and not letting their uh, foot off the pedal. And that was very encouraging to see, especially with a lot of things. And I turned to a post uh, by Garrett Murray. Uh, He's a long snapper at Florida State. And he talked about it on his Instagram post dominated like Florida State is supposed to 59 to three. You know, this is a team that is filled with a bunch of confidence they showcase it every single day. Jermaine Johnson talks about how the vision, you know, that they wanted to see from this program. And coming from an 0-4 start like that, you, you really didn't know what to expect. You thought Florida State was going to, you know, take it lightly on the season and finish 1-11 or 2-10. and But this team just keeps fighting. And I talked about it in my Jarvis Brownlee post with his interception return for a touchdown. Like Chris said, it was 70 yards. Great moment for him. He had a moment in the game before where he dropped an interception basically on the same pass concept, Uh, just missed the interception, was looking upfield before he even secured the catch, and, you know, of course, he he really redeemed himself later on, and you could really see the team was kind of standing behind him, and, you know, they were celebrating Norvell come all the way down to the end of the sideline and was celebrating with him, saying that he loved him, you know, even the hard coaching they've been through, all the coaching changes, everything. I mean, it just, it's so refreshing to see, especially with the Florida State roster that is just dying for these wins to come, and you know, it was really special. Um, just talking about the beginning of the game, you know, you come out, you know, you have that kickoff return, and Trash J comes down there, he he hesitated a little bit on the end zone right there. He should have just taken a knee right there, but he decided to come out. Of course, he didn't secure the ball with two hands, and you saw what had happened. Uh, he got a little lackadaisical with the ball, and UMass was able to recover the uh, the kickoff. and. You know, like Chris said, you thought as soon as that happened, you said, "Oh God!" You know, this is going to turn into another Jacksonville State moment where we didn't really have any uh, any mom- momentum right there. And you know, defense responded very well to their first drive. They allowed, uh, I think, UMass for, I think it was a, a field goal right there, and I think they only got two yards on the uh, on the drive right there to kind of solidify everything. So, very impressive to see how the defense was able to respond very quickly. In a moment like that, uh, Florida State's defense back in that Jacksonville State game and even uh, with the Louisville game and, you know, also the uh, White Forest game as well, there were moments there where Florida State's defense didn't respond properly, but they did here. They understood the the moment that was coming there. You only needed to allow them to score three in that moment, go back right on the field, and absolutely just get where your defense can be able to generate some kind of uh, momentum to your offense. And that's what Florida State did. Now, of course – Against Clemson, and we'll talk about this later on, you can't be able to do these opportunities where Travis Shea fumbles on the opening kickoff and allows Clemson to get a short field. You can't let that happen, especially against a quarterback like DJ Uyungle, to just have that moment to where he's unable to really do anything offensively all season, and then he turns out and has a short field of 25 yards. You know, this is a Florida State team that's got to be able to generate momentum. You have to have better special teams. Of course, the returns got to get better. Uh, there were a couple moments in the game, I also believe, that Travis Shea was kneeling on the seven- or eight-yard line. You can't have situations like that. you get got to let it just bounce the end zone. If it goes to the five or below, that's fine. Let it happen. You know, it, it's a great point. Hats off to the team if that happens. But there's got to be moments where Florida State's got to put their foot at the nine-yard line and do not back up any further. And that's something Travis Shea has to learn, and also these other returners. But it's accountability at the end of the day. You have to execute it at a high level. And, you know, Florida State's still learning that execution-wise on special teams. But hopefully we get on a better track. Um, overall, though, offensively, and I'll kind of get off the negative train here for a second, but I thought offensively we did a tremendous job with Jordan Travis running the ball. Officially, you know, he was 5 for 10 on the game with uh, about, I think it was 123 yards. So. He had a couple of deep shots that they didn't convert on. I think he had one, to I think it was Ontario uh, Ontario Wilson that he had uh, later in the game. But, you know, it was very good to see that they were able to establish the run early and often. You know, Sean Corbin was a big factor in this one. He had a couple of them that you could see that if it wasn't a shoestring tackle, he was going for 80 yards. And, you know, of course, there was a couple of moments with uh, even Treshawn Ward. I was very impressed with him. He only had eight uh, carries for 57 yards and a touchdown, but you can clearly see on those some of those moments where it was third, uh, it was like second down and ten or first down and ten. He was only able to get like maybe one or two yards, but you could really see the effort, the you know the really the tenacity to keep it going. You could see a little bit of James Wilder in him. You know there was a situation where he was able to you know take on a couple of tacklers uh, that were going across the field and everything and he does have that breakaway speed so you have to watch out if he can be able to generate one of those broken tackles he's going to the races so it's only a matter of time before he has his Jayshon Corbin moment where he's able to stretch one loose but uh, I was very glad to see that um, Lawrence he had a huge game too he only had four carries for 63 yards but you know there was a moment there where he had that 23 yard gain and I think it was a uh, I think it was a 38 yard gain or something like that It was very big Uh, it's one of the first carries he had in the game and that was one pivotal moment for him because you really thought that Florida State fans were coming back to him thinking, you know, he has too much potential not to be able to kind of showcase his talents in this game. And they were having the difficulty trying to figure out him and the offense because you have to think you have DJ Williams, you have Jay Sean Corbin, you have Lawrence Tophilly, or not Lawrence Tophilly, uh Trayshawn Ward. You, you had those guys out there and you really didn't know how to use them all. And, you know, you have a four-headed monster at running back and, We'll, we'll see how it plays out. I definitely think that uh, Lawrence Taylor is going to have a huge asset in this game, uh, but you just got to find out how to use him. Uh, another guy that I want to talk about is uh, Andrew Parchman. You know, this is the guy that is starting to play with the second team unit again, and you got to find more consistency. Uh, you know, of course, this game, you know, he had two receptions for sixty-five yards. There was a lot of great moments for him to at least kind of bounce back in a more positive manner, but. We'll definitely see how everything plays out. I mean, it's all about consistency with him. It's all about finding that momentum and finding everything out. But hopefully we can find some more momentum for him. You know, he was slated to be our number one wide receiver at the beginning of the year. Hasn't really played out like it needs to be. And Malik McLean has kind of stepped into that starting role. You want to see how he plays out. Uh, They did a tremendous job with Jordan Travis uh, coming on the outside, playing those – Crossing routes, I think he did a really good job in finding Malik playing on one of those routes and was able to stretch loose, break a tackle, and I think it was like a 35-yard gain. So it was really something special for Jordan Travis to kind of take advantage of those short throws. Uh, he hasn't really taken advantage much this year, minus the screen passes, so it's really uh, fascinating to see some of these crossing routes come come available, slant routes, uh, something quick and easy to get get the ball out of his hands a little bit quicker to where the offensive line doesn't really have to stretch themselves um, but overall, I thought we played a really phenomenal game. Uh, of course, like I said, we went up 38 to 3 at the uh, end of halftime right there. You were definitely thinking Florida State was going to keep putting the pressure on. I think Jordan Travis came out in the second possession of the uh, second half. And uh, then you saw Chubba Purdy. And this is where a lot of fans and critics and a lot of people have you know, he went 5 for 5, 98 yards and two touchdowns. He has a very, very quick release. I thought he played a tremendous game, especially with you know, what he was given. I understand it's the second unit against, uh, you, you know, with UMass, but we'll definitely see how he kind of plays out, but I thought overall, you know, with him being injured like that, coming back a year after and really finding a rhythm and finding a groove, uh, kind of finding everything out, uh, him and Jordan Young had had an exchange on the side pond and you know, Jordan Young has really been through a lot of, you know, tribe and trials and tribulations here at Florida State, and he's probably seventh or eighth on the receiving depth start at this point, and it really hasn't really found much momentum, especially after being a highly uh, touted four-star wide receiver. But, you know, he told, you know, Jordan Young as he was going through and that open, wide open pass that he had late in the game, uh, you know, he just told him to get open. You know, we're going to be able to find you. And you, you see that amount of, like, brotherhood and, and continuation with this team and just showing that the heart and dedication of what they have. And, you know, he was able to find him in the back of the end zone for his first touchdown in a very long time. And um, it was very refreshing to see. Um, I'm not necessarily advocating for Chuba party to be the number one quarterback or anything by any means, but I thought it was a very good uh, thing for Florida State to kind of go forward. And Mackenzie Milton, kind of like everybody talked about, you know, he did not play in this game because he kind of opted for those younger guys to get more playing time. He was able to do that. Uh, you know, whether he was asked to, do, you know, asked to do that and saying, you know, if you wanted to play or somebody else wanted to play or something like that is, you know i think it kind of speaks to him as a leader just in general you know there are opportunities where he could have been slated a starter at the beginning of the year you know he kind of fell through and now he's kind of second stream jordan travis he's not really playing as well but you know it's kind of uh i guess expected because i mean you're coming you know this is third year off of a you know serious injury and you just kind of have to figure out everything as a quarterback and it could be a possibility that he is a grad assistant and maybe, you know, maybe he assists the quarterbacks a little bit later on during his career at Florida State. And hopefully that is the case, but we'll definitely see, you know, this team loves to run the football. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, their uh, yards per rush was nine, or, uh, 5.91, which is fifth in the f p s So that's something they could really hang their hat on, especially with the stable of running backs that they have. Defensively, I thought they did a tremendous job, especially when they had their backs against the wall in goal line situations. And Jamie Robinson, like Chris was talking about, had a tremendous interception there. Jarvis Brownlee had another interception. We saw a little bit of an emergence of DJ Lundy. thought that was really impressive to see kind of the linebacker stepping up in that room. There was a couple of situations where Mari Gaynor missed a couple of tackles, but he was able to rebound on a couple of those as well. Um, I thought one weapon that UMass was going to be able to utilize in the game was Ellis Mayweather, and he didn't really have much of an impact. Uh, I think at the end of the game he had like 10 carries for like five yards. Uh, It just wasn't really much of anything. They couldn't do anything. Uh, Walt Bell had a weird three offensive linemen set that he ran. It was like a monster set, I think is what they call it. Um, Offensive linemen were on the wide receivers. And uh, just very odd in that situation. I don't know what Walt Bell was doing. Uh, maybe that's because he's not a very good offensive bum, but you know we'll we we'll definitely see how it plays out for them for the rest of the season. I think UMass is one and six on the year, and um, they're going to be looking for just an offensive spark. I don't think Brady Olson was that answer at quarterback. Um, you know, of course, he went twelve for twenty-seven and one hundred and ten yards and two interceptions. wasn't really a great day for him as expected, uh, but. Overall, I think Florida State did a tremendous job here, getting the job done. Not really much to say because, like I said, their their defense was not world beaters. There wasn't really a great option there. They had two linebackers that were their top tacklers. Um, just overall, I thought Florida State did what they needed to do. Um, I thought, like like uh, Brandon had just said in that comment, you know, Cam McDonald was. Uh, really explosive on those play action, dunk down passes to the right side. He, he's had a couple of those uh, tight end delays that uh, kind of showed up in the game, and you could really see on, on a couple of those plays, and there was one with uh, Chubba Purdy there that he threw to the end zone, and he was able to uh, fight through the contact at the three or four yard line and get straight in. Uh, Jordan Travis had another opportunity where he had the delay going to the right side down the sideline, and he got stopped at the three yard line, unfortunately, because he got stopped by the sideline, but it was an impressive time by him. Don't know what we're going to do with the tight ends at the end of the year. Um, in terms of going pro, I'm kind of scared about Ja'Shaun Corbin at this moment. Uh, he could possibly go pro because he is – I think he's had four or five 100-yard performances this season. So that is something to watch out for. Fabian Lovett's another guy that I think could. Uh, Robert Cooper, another guy. Um, just a couple of options there. But, you know, Fortisette's going to have to figure that out at the end of the season. But – Tremendous job by them just just showing their their muscles there and, and showing who's who's the better team and not letting this game get to a situation where it needs to be. Um, I mean, it, it, it was just an all-around great performance. I mean, the defensive backs were fighting over blocks. It was just a very, very spirited effort. Um, you know, there, there could have been more points scored by UMass if they didn't screw around and had a couple of possessions. I think the only – Big play they had in that game, I think was that halfback screen. Uh, I think it was on a second ten of the second quarter, I believe. Um, and you know, Florida State ran a well-timed blitz, and of course, you know, the blitz kind of counteracted with their halfback screen. Seems like Florida State's run into a lot of those situations where halfback screens have been kind of their, you know, uh, just kryptonite, I guess you'd say. And we'll definitely see how Florida State kind of reacts coming up this this uh, rest of this week see how focused they are. Um, They were talking about all week about how they wanted to focus on UMass, and then after the UMass win, we'll focus on Clemson. And we'll see how that goes. I don't think for one second they won't be motivated for this game. And I definitely think this is a very, very good turning point for Florida State and what could be a great recruiting momentum for for that set. And hopefully the fan base can kind of get behind everybody now and hopefully they can get more of a positive energy and vibe towards a program that's really trying to really accomplish something that hasn't been done in quite some time.
0: I mean, it's been an up and down year so far. Um, first, first we went down um, and now we're, it seems like we're, we're growing up is what I call it. Uh seems like more and more of the players are buying in uh, the question that was asked a little bit earlier about why we don't see number nine a whole lot, is it because of blocking and et cetera? Uh, no, I don't think it has anything to do with blocking. I think that the the issue is, is we have so much talent in that position, whether it be the slot receiver that you would, that I would personally put nine in um, or if you used to put him at tailback. The reason that I think it's so hard is because I mean, look at who's in front of him. You got Ward that was a walk-on that has just – if you call him number two, it's not by far. I mean, him and Corbin are like neck-to-neck on what they're doing. Uh, Then, obviously, you have Corbin. So, when guys like that are like hot, it's kind of hard to throw it this guy's way or hand it to this guy because these two are getting it done. So, and then when these two aren't getting it done, you got another set of legs with Jordan Travis when it's just – it's really hard to get that many playmakers in the game. And here's the other thing. Like, this is what I I personally think. I can tell you Coach Norvell and Dillingham, I don't think they were really ready for the amount of talent that they do have. It's hard to make a game plan around six guys that are that explosive. Like, how do we get everybody in here and still, you know, and don't get out of hand, so to say? Um, so I think they're learning more and more as as the games have went on. Like when we went and played North Carolina, to me, yeah, Jordan Travis did a, a, a just phenomenal job of everything that he did in that game. But with the pass to Wilson, uh, with the pass to uh, Eleven, which is whichever his name is, um, yeah, and then it's it's like who do you go to? Who like McDonald? I mean we had eight touchdowns versus UMass and uh there was an edit made uh by my wife that it was absolutely just in my opinion that's the type of edits that I like when you you put all eight guys on there and it that's what we're used to that's like that's what we want to see from Florida State and I was, I was proud that it was so many different ones I was proud that one of them was from the defense for a pick six with Brownlee Jr uh I was proud to see that um, uh, Ryan Fitzgerald did so well as far as no missed extra points this game. Uh, and the one field goal he got to kick was good. So, I mean, it seemed like there were so many areas where it felt like we could just dial it whatever we wanted to do and we, we could do it. Even when we brought in Chubba, Um I mean, if I'm saying his name right, Rodemaker didn't get a whole lot of opportunity because we were kind of like, yeah. we don't want to keep you know this game is over. There's I don't know a minute and four seconds left. Yeah, we're not trying to make it downfield and all that. All that sportsmanship is great, and I I agree with what the what we did setting up in victory formation. But Chuba is definitely beyond what I thought he was going to be. Um, I, I'm very impressed with after what injuries he came off of. Um, I mean, it's just a short while ago in spring he was limited to the camp like he couldn't do anything that they just wanted to work on his rehabilitation and then he gets his opportunity to come in a game and he slayed it in my opinion i mean the the passes the decisions um he he didn't try to throw in a double coverage didn't try to force nothing uh so i mean is he a pure number two um if he plays like that yes will he play like that against someone else that's what we'll find out eventually whether it be this season or next um I love the part that, you know, I got asked by a lot of people, why didn't Milton come in? Well, so at halftime, which Taylor did cover, but at halftime he was asked, hey, uh, early third quarter, are uh, you good with going in and finishing the game off? And he said, I'd like to opt out and let some of the younger guys get their opportunity. Uh, if that doesn't speak volume about what type of leader that that young man is, then we don't. Ha- there's no such thing as a leader. If, if that's not considered one of the one of the greatest moments for a leader to be able to say, I want some of the young guys to get reps. I want the young guys to get their opportunity. Uh, cause how many opportunities are we gonna get in the rest of the year? Even though US yes, Clemson's offense is just horrible right now, um, it doesn't mean we're gonna get up thirty points and we can let Chubb come in or Rodamaker at that point. Like it's it's a different beast. So uh then you go and play NC State or they come play us, excuse me. Uh NC State hasn't shown any reason that we would be up by 30-some-odd points and we could let our second string come in. Uh, then you go play Miami. Well, Miami just had beaten uh, North Carolina State, which I did not anticipate nor expect at all. Uh, but they pulled out the win. They they played with heart, uh, so they won the game. So will we get up on them by 30? I highly doubt it. So you just limits in how many opportunities that these young men get to come in the game. <coughs> with that... Uh, I do agree also with what Lawrence said about we have to have a pass rush on Clemson to beat them. Uh, the good news, which I mean I hate to say it's good news, but it's good news for us. The good news is, is we're fixing to go up against a Clemson team that is beat up on the offensive line for sure. Uh, there's there's going to be a couple starters not starting. There's going to be a couple guys that are not really experienced, and there's a couple guys that just haven't came into their own that aren't that good uh, that I think Jermaine, Kier Thomas, and – uh coop and so on uh we'll be able to have their way with at times i think Deloach is going to have i personally think Deloach is going to probably have the best game of the season now because if we if we if we disguise our blitzes correctly with him i think he could have a huge game for our sags or tackles for loss um it, i really like the way that we schemed against uh, north carolina for the most part uh I think that was a good showing of what DeLoach could do, and I think he did an even better job against UMass. Um, so I personally think that us going into Clemson, um, this isn't a game where you where you can start slow. Like, you at least have to get a field goal on your first drive. Like, there's, you're going to have to get points because the more points you score against them, the more you're going to knock them down, and you're going to wear their defense out. So long drives and points at the end of those drives are going to be just you have to do it if you don't then you're leaving too much room they do have obviously clemson's got athletes obviously they're not a they're not a jacksonville state and they're not a umass um they're not the clemson that they were a few years ago but the talent's still there so you can't give opportunity for a blowout play or a blown coverage play because they will take advantage of it and they will they will probably advance from it. So you you have to really cross your T's, dot your I's kind of thing at this game. the fumbles, that's you can't do that. Uh their their run defense is still pretty pretty high up there. They're still ranked pretty good as far as they they've they have yet to allow a team to score thirty points. Closest it was gotten was I think North Carolina State scored twenty seven against them. That's the closest they got to allowing thirty points in a game. Uh, Their average allowing in the game is 14.6. So they don't allow people to score very many points. I mean, you saw them play against Georgia at the beginning of the year, and they only allowed Georgia to score 10 points, and seven of those points was off of an interception. So it wasn't that their offense scored against them. The defense got lucky and picked one off and took it back. So it's not that we're going against a great team. We're going against a pretty good defense. Um, And offensively, if you don't do your job on defense on our side, then you're going to allow too much for them to be able to capitalize. So we have to go play a really clean game, and we have to do a very good job of everyone doing their job so we can come out with a win. I do think that we're going to do so. Uh, I do think that we're going to win the game. And, I, I mean, we can go into more detail if you want to, Taylor. If you if you want, if you want that's fine. Um, um,
1: I did get a question – or not a question, but a statement by Lawrence. He said, uh, we didn't get many sacks against UMass. Uh, We did get four sacks, so that is impressive. Um, There was a situation where Marcus Cushney had one-and-a-half sacks. Probably should have had two sacks there instead of the one-and-a-half, but they didn't really give him the other half. But I thought he really played well in a reserve role. I think next season he's going to have a huge factor in what what we do as a defensive scheme. Uh, You know, I talked to him in the offseason, and all he really talked about was how he was going to go to the NFL He's, he's looking for that opportunity, and uh, I definitely think that he is a very, very talented young man. I, th- I think that that's an opportunity for him to take advantage of. Um, there was a couple of tackles for loss we had in the game. I thought overall, like I said, DJ Lundy played really well. Um, Jarrett Jackson was another one. They talked about how he was going to be an X factor on defense. Um, overall, I thought that we did a really good job just in terms of, of creating pressure with what, with what they have, really. Um, because those monster situations where you know you have the three offensive linemen lined up, you have two offensive linemen on the uh, outside as wide receivers to kind of block for wide receiver screens, there wasn't a whole lot we could really do in that situation because we're putting Jermaine Johnson a little bit further outside because he has to defend for the uh, the screens, he has to make sure he's on the ball, so... He was kind of being put out of the play, but that was mainly for Walt Bell's scheme to kind of get him out of the play action. So there wasn't a whole lot there for Jermaine Johnson or Keir Thomas, for that matter. It was all a matter of, you know, Fabian Lovett doing his job, Robert Cooper doing his job, like all of these defensive tackles to do their job. So there was a guy, basically, I think Fabian Lovett talked about it before about Malcolm Ray coming into the game. Uh, There was another instance there, you know, he talked about how, Malcolm Ray had performed so well during practice. He was able to come out and really play effective in that game, and he was able to give him the opportunities that he needed to have early on in the game to gain some kind of confidence. And that's something that a Florida State team back in 2016-15 would never even do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be a situation where Florida State would just be like, all right, well, here's uh, Tavars McFadden. He's got nine interceptions on the season as a as a freshman cornerback, and he would never take off for that. But this team – as dominant as Fabian Lovett has been this season, he, he wants Malcolm Ray to come in and, and play the, and get those opportunities. And kind of like I talked about with the Brownlee interception, these guys play for each other. They, they celebrate one, you know everybody's uh, actions that they do during the game. So whether it's good or bad, this team will uplift you in a certain manner. And they haven't been able to kill themselves on penalties. You know We talked about before they had three penalties in this game for 41 yards. Very impressive to see because, you know, as soon as the Louisville game hit, they had four penalties in that game. You saw a steady decline in penalties, I think, in penalties uh, per game. I think they only averaged three, and they're like fifth in the country in penalties. So they don't shoot themselves in the foot right now. It's, it's a great thing to see, especially when you have an unselfish team that wants to have everybody doing their job and having everything uh, done. And this helps against a Clemson team that's really injured, like Lawrence, before they have 14 players out uh they're starting offensive linemen I think Winderhurst I think is what his name is is uh out for the season one of their better offensive linemen on that team and uh I think their tight end also separated a shoulder I think that was another one that they had as well so there was a couple of opportunities there on offense that they just don't have all the necessary parts and you know I'm, I'm praying for them now I hope all those players, you know, they get full recoveries, and I hope they kind of get back to where they need to be. Um, you never want to see anybody get hurt, and I want to play clubs in at full strength. Uh, if Dabo wants to talk crap about how we uh, ran away from COVID, I guess you could say, even though one of your players tested positive, even though it was a false positive, you still had putting people in danger for that. I just, yeah, it wasn't a smart idea for Florida State. Little did we know we had COVID issues then at the end of the year, but uh you know we wanted to keep relatively healthy we wanted to make sure that nobody was able to suffer any kind of COVID conditions especially when that player even though he tested for a fake positive he was on the team playing the whole entire time so it was only a matter of time when you had the whole team you know out there on the field you didn't want to risk anything at that point the right so, call
0: was made and then he needs to get out
1: yes um you know and of course we probably weren't in the best position to have a great game in there we probably would have lost by probably four or five touchdowns. Uh, So it is what it is. Uh, That team was not very um, good in that situation because there were so many factors that were going against us. You can say a lot of times when first-year head coaches and how they performed against COVID seasons, I get it. I understand. But this is a Florida State team that has been through so many coaching changes, so many opportunities that were missed. You didn't have a spring. You didn't have this. You didn't have that. And – Overall, I think that Florida State did a tremendous job last, last year of making that decision for their players. Fortunately, it didn't play out. We had to end up having COVID issues at the end. But, but I just think overall, though, just, I mean, kind of lasting parts that I have, just for UMass in general, I thought this team executed at a very high level. It's about, about the best they could really do in those terms and situations. I think this is a good building block for Florida State to go forward against Clemson. Uh, of course, when, when you've won two road games at Clemson in the past 20 years, um, that obviously has a little bit of concerns. Um, of course, Clemson's not at full strength either. Uh, you know, of course, the reports are all out there about how Clemson hasn't scored more than 21 points, you know, in their six games. And that's only to – I think Arizona is the only other team that hasn't done that. So, it's, it's – uh, you know, it's, it's there. Uh, there's concern on offense Clemson-wise. Um, sure, they're, they're a really talented offense. They could probably exploit a couple of plays and maybe get a couple of guys open. But overall, I think Florida State's playing at a high you know, high level right now. They're playing at a high intensity. They're battling over screens. Uh, you saw Kevin Knowles was doing that earlier. I think the uh, move from Jamie Robinson to nickel corner to a safety position, they did wonders for him. I think Travis Jay probably needs to do the same thing, but we currently don't have enough cornerback bodies right now. Um, I wish DeMory Tate or Hunter Washington or Amari Cooper or somebody like that would get a little bit healthier. But overall, I, I think that they're doing the best they can with what they have right now. And I don't necessarily know, and I will never count this team out, to not go in eight and four. It could always be a possibility. Never can tell. But I don't know if we have the necessary depth to go that far. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. I'm a little concerned about the depth just – Related to specific positions, I think the Dennis Briggs injury, the below the waist, is a huge hit to this defense. Whether they want to believe it or not, I think Malcolm Ray has done a tremendous job so far in kind of filling in. But I think there are certain pieces on this defense that just can't afford an injury right now. Um, I think offensively, there's there's still a couple pieces. Running back, we're okay. You know, wide receiver, we're still okay at certain pieces um, tied in, we're okay. Like it, there, There's pieces there, but once you get uh, a couple of injuries, though, you, you never can tell. Um, I think this is why it's going to be so crucial for a couple of these 22 recruits to come in and, and be an effective piece because of where we are as a program. Um, overall, I think we've done a really good job. Confidence is all the way there. We, we've grown as a team. We've, we've understood the, the expectations that we have. And Jermaine Johnson has preached it all season. And even when we were O and Ford, you know, he knows what to expect from this team. He knows how hard they've worked during the off season, how hard they've worked during the season. There's a reason he came from Georgia to here. Uh, You know, of course he was in a reserve role there. He wanted to get more opportunities. And he saw that Florida State and Coach Norvell had the right vision. And he even talked about it, I think it was on the ACC show that he was on earlier um, with Packer and Durham. And, you know, there was an opportunity there where he was talking about how It didn't matter if he had one sack or two sacks. He wanted to come here to impact players, you know, just by his actions. You know, he wanted to grow the locker room and he wanted to show those guys that he was going to be that leader in the locker room. Whether he had, you know, no playing time or whether he had every playing time in the world, he wanted to show those guys and earn their trust. And he has definitely done that and done a whole lot more. Um, I think he's finished – so far, I think with seven sacks, and I think he's leading one of the leaders on uh, total tackles. I think he has like 45 total tackles. So, very impressive to see from a defensive end. That shows you how much progression he is just uh, at the point of attack. Linebackers have got to get better, like Chris said. Um, I think Kalen Deloche has a great opportunity there to kind of extend more, but just great thing to see from Florida State. I think it's a very encouraging sign just to, just to see the growth and development. Um, you're seeing guys grow up at the, at the blink of an eye. And, you know, a lot of fans, they wanted to criticize Jarvis Brownlee for, for missing a couple of assignments. You saw how he missed on the uh, 59 yard touchdown pass to Jacksonville State. There was a growing moment there, but he's able to fight through adversity. He's able to show that this is, this is what it means. Um, he talks about how in the press conferences, big time players make big time plays. Well, he has definitely stood up to that expectation. And he's definitely not shied away from it. Sure, there's going to be growing moments with him. Sure, you know, he's probably not the best corner as of right now because he is still growing. But he is from that Miami area. And you know how them kids are around the Miami area. They play with a chip on their shoulder. They are very confident in their abilities and what they do. And um, I just couldn't be more prouder for him just in terms of his development, uh, you know, his growth. He could have easily let that moment define him, and he did not let it define him. So that's that's one you know, just a moment of many from this team. And I definitely think that they're going to grow and they're going to, you know, you're hoping that six wins is going to be the, the the good scenario there. You're hoping, but I just want to see growth in this team time and time again. So, you know, even if we win, you know, one more game, you know, the rest of the season, I, I think that, you know, as long as we have togetherness, as long as we're able to not kill ourselves with turnovers and penalties and uh, be able to grow as a unit, uh, you know, learn from your mistakes, go from there, I think it could really be a, a beneficial piece for this team going forward.
0: Yeah, I definitely. I mean, my biggest thing is is if we're taking it one game at a time, and that's that seems to be the mindset right now, it seems to yep. be working, where I think we were in the beginning of the season where we played Notre Dame and now Jacksonville State should be easy and it didn't happen that way. And then, yeah, I mean – it is definitely a growing pain that we've went through there's no doubt um but to see them grow from it uh and come out on the positive side of it this far i mean i don't have too much to complain about i really don't i do see it's possible that we can go 8 and 4 i see it's possible we go 7 and 5 uh, i mean it's it's just all about who stays healthy and who makes who makes the less the least amount of mistakes so
1: Did you want to go over uh, injuries? I just thought about when you said healthy. Yeah, Did that's you want fine. To go any growing injuries or anything? I know that Devontae Love, play, uh, Love Taylor didn't play in the game. Uh, Dylan Gibbons was out in the second quarter. Uh, was there anybody else that was there? I don't remember anybody.
0: Uh, I know Gibbons had that.
1: Uh, Sidney Williams was the yeah. other one. Uh, he's expected to play in the next game, but. Like I said, it was very shocking to
0: me that he was actually unavailable there, so Yeah. Uh Gibbons basically had someone roll over on his ankle. So they they I think they officially call it a high ankle spring. Uh he's been practicing, so he's he should be no issues, good to go against Clemson. Um I haven't heard much more on uh Miko Dotson. I don't I don't mm-hmm. know if uh he, he's quite ready yet or not. Um we'll see. Uh I didn't know why Williams wasn't ready to go. I, I didn't I didn't get too much on why he wasn't ready, just they didn't dress him out. So yeah. I mean give him rest if he needs it. So I mean I don't disagree with it. Uh, it's not yeah. like he was like really needed in the game. Obviously we would like to see him play but uh, yeah.
1: especially next week. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't really have a whole So the way this is working everybody when we have uh, tribal Holics on here Wednesday. Um, this is a little bit different. So usually we go full depth into Clemson and then yeah. we give score predictions and etc. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, the scheduling stuff didn't work out the way that we wanted it to, which is completely understandable. It's hard to get five people on the same schedule. And this is not what we do primarily for our day job. So, it makes sense why it makes it more difficult. Plus, they have theirs that they run on Tuesday nights theirself. So, that's why they're not available Tuesday night. Uh, so, Wednesday night's the night. Um, I'm going to do whatever I can for it to work, and that's that's pretty much what I'm going to do. I will ask this because I have no insight on it whatsoever, and I've tried to ask, but do you have any idea why uh, they're postponing the time of kickoff for North Carolina State?
1: It's mainly because of to see results and everything because you kind of want to make sure that if Florida State were to win, you know, and and go 4-4, that would basically slot a bigger uh, audience because Florida State would be on a four-game winning streak. It would definitely be a situation where the general public would want to see more of that team. Now, if Florida State were to lose this weekend and NC State were to lose this weekend – yeah, you're probably going to be on ACC Network, Network. 11. Uh, yeah. So, and they haven't even announced the time designation either because that's also another factor is, you know, typically what's going to happen is pro- 4% will probably not be a night game either. Even if they do win, they'll probably be a 2.30 game more than likely. But, you know, they do have that that six-day designation thing to be able to see how other results play out. And it's it's kind of a... I guess you could say just a hold right there on, on the situation of the game just to make sure that you get the most out of your audience and get the most viewership you can. It's more of a money deal more than anything.
0: I figured as much. Uh, I mean, I still don't see Miami being a day game. I still think that's going to a nice, especially if Miami wins a couple more. <laughs> yeah. And we win a couple more. I mean, why would you not, though? I mean, it's Miami and Florida State at that point. Uh, they no.
1: Let me just put it this way. Uh, Kenny Pickett's about to destroy Miami this week, just to let you know. Um, So, I mean, I personally think it's going to be a day game just because I think Miami is going to fold. And they they should have folded against NC State, but I don't know what Devin Leary was doing, and I don't know what Thayer Thomas was doing either on a couple of offensive drives. Uh, Dave Doran is, uh, you know, I I don't understand how you can be really – I guess you could say, and, you know, just just, uh, shocked by Miami's home environment uh, because it wasn't there. Um, So I even saw, I think it was, uh, if I remember correctly, Omar Graham's teammate, Hakeem Williams. He was on an unofficial visit to Miami. I had discussed a little bit with him and talked a little bit with him too. Uh, Nice guy, but he's a class of 23, four-star receiver that Florida State's going after. And um, he talked about how the environment, you know, just everything like that. And, you know, I saw in his story it was maybe halfway field. I mean, it wasn't really a great uh, – it almost looked like a baseball game in, in July kind of thing. Um, it may put you to sleep a little bit. So they they tried the uh, the black uniforms, which I hate Florida State fans going to this situation. I get it. Recruits love it. Other teammates love it. New Generation loves it. I understand. There's nothing better than Garnet and Gold. So, I don't know how you can beat that. say Uh, you replace
0: the white – I mean, the black with all white. I'm better with that.
1: Yeah, and it's just – I don't know. Because a lot of people are wanting – you know, if we come out in all white uniforms against Miami, I mean, of course, it's going to be a buzz around the program, I guess you could say. But – Uh, We'll we'll definitely see. I I definitely think that there's going to be a couple more opportunities. Maybe it'll be a night game, but I just don't think Miami's going to escape the Pittsburgh game. I think they may be a little banged up after that game too. I wish we could play them right after that. Uh, But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, But I do think that we're going to play pretty well for the rest of the season. Um, I definitely think the NC State loss helps us in terms of – achieving that goal of possibly getting that three-game stretch of NC State, Miami, and Boston College. I think there's a three beatable teams now. Uh, Clemson and Florida, a little bit different. I still think Florida is, if they play Anthony Richardson, which I think they are going to be starting Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson against Georgia. So that's going to be something to watch out for. Maybe you might see a Richardson transfer. Um, but we'll see. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see if Florida – hangs in the towel after the Georgia game if they are to lose that game. Uh but as I talked about last week, I think there could be a situation where Florida loses against Georgia and then tries to win out so they can say, Oh, well we're eight and four and, you know, finds a way to make that presentable, I guess you could say.
0: Uh um, Mullen's a great have. offensive
1: coach, great X's and those coach, but man, he's a terrible recruiter.
0: They do got good talent on that team though, that's not been in my yeah. opinion like
1: He's he's not getting rid of uh, Ty Graham either, and that's the thing. What's going to hold them back is you know he's one of the highest
0: a- paid coordinators. Yeah, he's terrible. He is awful. Well, um, and did you have? Go ahead. Uh, did, or did you have? Um, you said something earlier about a shout out. I think. Did you say something that you had a shout out about, or was a, am I mistaken?
1: Oh uh, yes, I was going to shout you out, and you you discussed this a little bit earlier about Ryan Fitzgerald. I was going to discuss about your edit that you made, or that your wife made actually. Yeah, uh, I thought it was a really cool edit. Um, me and Ryan talk pretty often, so I thought it was pretty cool to see that. And he's a very nice guy. So he did a lot of uh, he did a charity event because uh, his dad works in a mattress store uh, in Tallahassee, and they were able to service a couple of mattresses to a couple of. Uh, less privileged kids that, that didn't really have anything to sleep at night. And, you know, a lot of times with those opportunities, uh, you know, and you have those kids that really go to bed on the floor or, you know, do, you know, go to bed on the couch, you know, whatever it is, they don't have their own space. And he was able to, uh, generate a couple of those beds for them. And I thought that was really an impressive moment for him. And you could actually see the team growing together for one cause. And it was really cool to see, um, but it, it's great to see Ryan Fitzgerald bounce back from his, his uh missed field goal, you know, there against Notre Dame. That was a huge factor for us. You know, we were going into overtime he missed that kick and uh, you know, to make it forty one to thirty eight in overtime, you know, and and get that momentum going, but you know, Notre Dame ended up kicking the game with a field goal and, and walking it off. But um I thought Ryan Fitzgerald was done a tremendous job in, in trying to just display everything and we talked about a couple episodes before. I think he was like five or eight on field goals. It wasn't anything really spectacular, but he's really kind of pieced it all together. You talk about how he's eight extra points. You know, there was a couple of extra point miscues that he had early on. Uh, he had the field goal, squeaked in on the left uh, goal post, but he was able to bring it in. He was able to look at one spot, trust his techniques, and go from there. Um I thought that was a really good job there um, just for him. Just this team in general, they're just executing at a high level. They're getting a lot of confidence. And this team is not perfect. Don't get me wrong. They are they are not where they want to be, and they still have a lot of things that need to be corrected, especially on special teams. But uh, they are gaining confidence at the right moments, offensively and defensively, and even in some cases special teams. Uh, I think Norvell talked about it earlier. The biggest weapon that they have on the team is flipping field position with Alex Monstromano. They didn't punt a whole lot in this game, but you could see early in the season and even after the season, you could see how he's punting left-footed, right-footed, you know, side-kicking. I mean, it is impressive to see, especially having that, that punter uh, out there. You know, if you're able to, you know, not really generate much offense, you're able to get a punter to flip score or field position, so that way you don't really have to worry about it. So. I thought it was really impressive. Um, we had a scare. I think it was UMass. uh got to like the 49 yard line right before halftime. And uh, it was a long return. I don't think Florida States had a kickoff return, returned on them in, a, I want to say like seven or eight years. Maybe longer than that. Um, it's one of the longest streaks in the NCAA. I know that much, if not the longest. Um, I have to look at the exact stat, but I wanted to say it was like 2003 was the last time we've done that. And, uh, Anyway, it it was very impressive to see just us bounce back from that moment. And uh, a lot of times in UMass, we we were able to bounce back. You're hoping that kind of stands true against Clemson. Um, We'll kind of go over that, you know, when we go over the next episode uh, talking about Clemson. But just overall, I mean, it's a very impressive performance. I'm always glad that we're talking about a win rather than a loss. Absolutely. Um, I know you're doing your – Podcast more uh, about that, about Jay Zell. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be doing one with Omar Graham. I don't know what day yet. Um, I'll definitely post on that as well. Uh, we're just going to talk about a little bit about how senior season went, uh, the, the win streak, how that's going. Um, even talk about his teammate. We talked about Hakeem Williams going to Miami. Um, he's just visiting. Uh, his parents are big Miami fans. So We'll see how that plays out. Uh, Omar Graham's family is very big Miami fans as well, so don't really let that affect you. Uh, your thinking about where he goes, but um, you, just are you gonna do it on IG? Yes, uh, I'm gonna be doing it on my Instagram. He told me one day this week we'll meet up and, and do it. Um, he said one day after practice or something we'll, we'll hop on there and do that. Uh, we'll get a specific date. I may try to talk to him tonight and see what day that'll be since I know we're going to be doing that Wednesday and you're going to be doing that on Tuesday, I'll definitely catch in on that as well. So kind of go that way, maybe a Thursday kind of thing, uh, the day before his game. So we can kind of preview that too. So, um, really impressive. Um, there was one more note that I had Let me see if I can find it. Uh, we're going after, uh, well, we're in discussion for this Wisconsin center. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Caden, I can't remember his last name off the top of my head. Oh, that's uh, Board... the name. Yeah, he's he's the uh, starting center for Wisconsin, and uh, he's got one more year of eligibility left. Uh, Atkins has already followed him on Twitter, so that is something to monitor a little bit. Uh, there's also two assistants that are following him as well. Uh, he just basically wants a fresh start. I uh, don't know if there's any significance with Florida State. I'll have to kind of look at that a little bit more. Um, I was going to make a post about it a little bit later, but – um, yeah, it's, it's something that Florida State's kind of monitoring. They don't really want to actively engage in transfers as of right now because you kind of want to figure out how many people right. are leaving the program before you do anything. Same thing with recruiting class. You want to make sure you don't really get some of these guys just yet until you do. Now, if Marvin John Jr. says, Hey, I want to come on, you know, you let them you let them come in the program and you think about it later. Uh, there, there are certain players that they won't back away from. So, uh, but you know there, there's some special circumstances here, and if he is the right guy and he's he's a building block for them at center or guard, I think it could definitely be worth a uh, investment. But overall, I, I really do like our chances against Clemson. Uh, Chris talked about it as well. I think this is going to be a special moment for Florida State to do something they really haven't done since 2013, and before that, I think it was like 2008. Uh, so very impressive. Uh, from Florida State to see how their confidence is going to go from here because Clemson has had some talented quarterbacks. They do not have a talented quarterback now. Uh, So we'll definitely see. Um, I'm hoping that next week when we do our quote-unquote game reaction, I'm hoping that we discuss a win rather than a blowout loss or a close loss because that would be kind of heartbreaking. But, you know, whatever the case is, this team's going to fight. And even if we're going to end the season and we go into Florida at three and eight, uh, we're going to find a way to, you know, be very positive. And, and this team is going to find a way to be able to play at their highest potential against Florida. So um, I'm always optimistic about this team. I definitely think they are going to be um, playing at their highest level that they can and uh, go from there.
0: Well, man, I, I'm i with you. I still say we're going to beat Clemson. I think that uh, Vegas is 100% wrong about us being a ten point underdog, I think that's nuts. But um I've picked Yeah, I will it. say,
1: um I think whenever I was talking to somebody about it, I was they were asking me what I thought about what the spread was gonna be for Florida State Clemson. I was thinking eight and a half, um personally. Maybe even eight. Uh I did. I thought ten was a little high. Maybe it'll go down. But I was thinking seven to eight and a half range was was about right um just where clemson is the program right now but i guess they saw it differently
0: i guess they're giving a the home field advantage
1: yeah
0: with that i don't have anything else until tomorrow night and then wednesday night and then whenever <laughs> taylor tells me to go next or whoever tells me to go next um y'all wouldn't believe this but Working 10 and 12 hour days and then getting to do this is actually, it's actually, it is exhausting, but yes. the benefits from it are much greater than the, the, the tiredness. I, I will say I enjoy it uh, so much so that I do it three times a week now. So, um, I, I personally, man, whatever, uh, y'all do your Instagram live thing. That's cool. But if you ever, I mean, you got a YouTube channel yourself too. So, I mean. Like, mm-hmm. I only worry about quality with IG because I tried to do something this week with IG and it just, it didn't yeah. work. So it pissed me off. Um, yeah. But
1: I told you it's bad. I, it's I'm, bad. I'm scared to even do this IG live with him. It's bad. We may even have to go to a different route. So we'll, yeah. we'll see how it plays out. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I have to update an app or something. I don't really know. Um,
0: well, if you need. I wish
1: did, they do desktop, but I don't even think they do that on IG. Yeah. So.
0: If, if you uh if you need something from me on that end, let me know. I'll try my gotcha. best to help out. But okay, uh, y'all go check out that later in the week or whenever it happens. He'll announce it. Uh, yeah. And tomorrow night, I will have Jay Zell on. We'll see how his season's going. Uh, I did release a video on Twitter where they talked about. Uh, they made a couple mistakes, but it's all good. I told him it didn't matter. Um, they said that he was FSU-bound um, and that, they, that he was a senior. The FSU-bound part is true. Uh, there's no official offer to Jay Zell from FSU yet at this moment, but he is coming to the FSU-Miami game, uh, but he is only 16 years old, and he's a 2023 recruit, so he's not a senior. Um, so there was a couple of mistakes, but it was still cool that he was recognized as one of the um, most exciting players to watch in the state of Colorado. Uh, and We'll talk more about that tomorrow with him uh Taylor you're more than welcome to come on with that he enjoyed of course. he enjoyed you and me both interviewing him last yeah. time um and he might want to ask you what you thought after you got to see film on him himself so um I think we're doing it at eight thirty. so okay it usually with Jayzel because he's pretty quick and he doesn't brag a whole lot on himself it's yeah it's yeah. like 25 30 minutes and yeah he's he's just very he gives a lot of information and he's just not that cocky he just yeah. does it on the field but yeah. until next time, everybody, I appreciate you coming on the Spiritatics. I appreciate Taylor for coming on here. Um, as as always, I mean, I consider him my co-host of all. So I mean, yeah. permanently. Um, yeah. So when y'all see Tribal on here and Jay Zell, and uh, maybe maybe it completely bombs for uh, Taylor and he brings Omar on here. Maybe I can get Aaron Hester on here. I've been talking to him a little bit. Um,
1: there you go.
0: I might be able to get a couple of people. I haven't talked to Rodney in a while. He his IG got hacked, so there's just been a yeah. couple of things here and there that's happened. That's and these kids are still Gosh. playing football, so.
1: I, I definitely hope mine don't get hacked because he was at the same rate I was. So I know. Uh yeah, that makes me. I don't know if he had two-factor uh verification on. That also does a lot of things too. It kind of alerts you whenever someone's trying to log in at one time, and you have to like approve it before somebody gets into your account i may have to let him know about that so that way he doesn't have a situation like that again um but yeah that that scares me a little bit so all
0: right well i appreciate it taylor i'll see you tomorrow and wednesday everybody have a good one and thanks for listening